This is the Six Figure Creative Podcast, episode 227. Welcome to the Six Figure Creative Podcast, where our mission is to help you turn your creative passions into a stable, reliable income. If you're in audio, video, design, photography, or really any other creative field, and you just want to learn from other successful creatives, you're in the right place. Hello and welcome to the Six Figure Creative Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Hood. If this is your first time watching the show today, you picked a weird episode to come in on for your first time. If you're not watching this on YouTube, I am literally sitting in the hotel room on a beanbag chair. I say sitting, I'm kind of lounging back on a beanbag chair for those who are just listening right now because this hotel room has a bed. It has a day bed, no chair. And so I'm resorting to this, as you see right here, because when you're traveling, sometimes you just have to make this stuff work. So for my first time listeners, the show was created to help equip you with the tools you need in order to run a successful creative business without selling your soul, without resenting your business, and without having to give up, fail, go back to a day job. So today's episode is right in line with that theme. I'm going to talk about the feast or famine roller coaster that many freelancers experience. Even the most successful freelancers I know, they might have extreme periods of feast where they just have so many projects, they're having to turn things away, they have more money than they you know what to do with. And then they have these long periods of drought, famine. They're eating into their savings. No one likes those famine periods. No one wants long stretches of time where you have little to no income, even if you've prepared for it. And for those of you who are just starting out, this is doubly as important because maybe you have finally taken the leap from a day job and you had that nest egg saved up and you start off strong, which was kind of how I started off. And then you start to kind of slowly die off and you're in this, the long period of famine that's the kind of stuff that can end an amazing, what would be an amazing freelance journey for you. It can end it before it even really had a chance to start. So the Feast or Famine roller coaster is the destroyer of many freelance businesses. And I want to really dive into three things specifically that are holding you back from eliminating that from your life, from your business. It is possible to have a business, especially as a freelancer, without having to go in the ups and downs of that Feast or Famine roller coaster. And if I were, honestly, if I were to have a room full of a thousand freelancers or the 10,000 plus that listen to the show, if I were to say, hey, raise your hand if you like dependability, stability, predictability with your business, you don't want feast or famine in your business, every single one of you would raise your hands. That's a universal thing. But I would have to ask you, are you prepared to do what it takes to make that happen? We'll find out today. This is actually going to be a tough love episode <laughs> for many of you listening right now. And if this is your first taste of me, that's kind of how my style is. I tell it to you straight, but I tell it to you with love. I don't want you to feel bad about not doing some of these things, or maybe you've you are doing some of these things that I talked about today or not doing these things, whatever. I don't want you to feel bad about it, but I do want you to know that, hey, it's time to change if that is you. So just some quick travel updates for those who are longtime listeners of the show and you've been keeping up with what I've been doing. I've been on the road for the last couple months now with my wife. We spent about a month in Bali. We've been in Thailand for the last few weeks and we're currently in Chiang Mai right now. And we came here for something known as the Lantern Festival. You've probably seen this in movies Maybe you've seen this in photos where they have the thousands of lanterns in the sky, the like floating lanterns with the fire where it's like a big balloon kind of floating up in the air. Uh, that's what we came here for. So this is, you know, 2022. It's like the first big event they've had in Chiang Mai that I know of, at least since, since COVID happened. And this was one of the things we specifically booked flights and hotels and everything for well in advance because we wanted to be here for this week and came time for the festival. And guess what happened? We get to the festival, there's parades, there's so many people everywhere. The streets are packed. It's a wonderful vibe. There's music and there's food and there's, it's just, everything's lively. And there's like a, there's fireworks everywhere, but they banned lanterns this year. We came halfway across the world. This is part of the reason I wanted to come here around this time, halfway across the world. And there was never more than nine lanterns in the sky. It was like, if you ever seen those things, like they do them on TikTok all the time, or you see them on randomly on the internet, like expectations versus reality. My expectation was to like have this magical night with thousands of floating lanterns in the sky and be able to release some myself. Nope. 
<laughs> that was not it. There was never more than nine in the sky. So it was a bit of a bust. I was definitely let down, sad about it. And I hate it for the city because like what I understood is the, the airport here, the international airport of Chiang Mai really pressured the government here to ban the lanterns for whatever stupid reason. I guess because they have to cancel flights the night of, duh, because there's thousands of lanterns in the sky. So they're mad that they're missing money because of these flights being canceled. In my opinion, that's stupid because the whole reason people are booking flights into the city around this time is to come to this lantern festival, which you have now basically ruined. So I know there's a lot more to this festival than just lanterns, but like, but for people like me, I'm a tourist, I'm coming in. I want to see thousands of lanterns in the sky. That's the unfortunate thing is I won't be back for this festival again, unless they uh, start letting us release lanterns again. So a bit of a bust, but final update on this is we finally booked flights home. So we will be flying home Thanksgiving day. For those of you who play the points game or the miles game for credit cards, I signed up for an MX gold card for my personal and my business back in August. When you sign up for credit cards, this is not financial advice. This is not me telling you how to live your life. But whenever you do this, if you hit their minimum spend on those credit cards, they give you a, a reward, like a bunch of points for signing up for this new credit card. So I got 220,000 points as a bonus for signing up for those two cards and hitting the minimum spend, which I could just do from my normal daily spend. And we ended up booking business class flights from Singapore to Nashville, business class flights. So we have lay down seats from Singapore to Japan in, in Tokyo. That's seven hour flight. And then we also have lay down seats, like business class seats from Tokyo to Houston, Texas, which is random. It says 12 hour flight. That will be 14 hour flight. I know because we still probably can't fly over Russia right now, like it was on the way out here. So it'll be a 14 hour flight with lay down seats. Thank God. And this will be my first time flying business class. I'm not one of those people that's like flashy, flashy, like here's my Rolex, here's my Ferrari, here's me in first class flights everywhere. No, like this was a one-time like special thing and we spent 200 bucks on it, which was kind of cool. It was $12,000 worth of flights for me and my wife, but we spent 175,000 of those Amex points and 200 bucks, which is really nice. So for those of you who want to replicate that, check out Air Canada's rewards program. We just transferred the points out of that into there. So that's all I'm going to talk about today with travel updates, but we'll be back Thanksgiving. We actually be back the day after Thanksgiving because of the travel time. It's like 27, 28. 30 hours of flights, all said and done. So that's it for my travel updates. Before we actually get into the episode today where I want to talk about those three things that are holding you in the feast or famine roller coaster, I want to make sure you download my free client acquisition toolkit. This is a toolkit I created a few months ago that helps you build a client acquisition machine, which is part of getting you out of the feast or famine roller coaster, having client acquisition system in place, something that is actually driving repeatable leads, repeatable clients. There are certain steps, certain things you need to put into place in order for that to happen. And that toolkit can help give you the things, the missing pieces that are likely holding you back right now as a freelancer. So if you want that toolkit, just go to sixfigurecreative.com slash toolkit, 100% free. It is something that I think every single person listening to the show needs to download, needs to go through, and needs to start implementing as soon as possible. So let's dive into the show today. Three things that are keeping your feast or famine roller coaster as a freelancer, ultimately hurting your predictability, dependability as a, as a freelancer, and likely what is maybe keeping a lot of you in a day job, keeping those golden handcuffs on you right now. Because the thing that I think most people will miss the most when they become a freelancer versus a corporate employee or someone with a day job or a salary, especially, is having that consistent month by month income. It's dependable. It's predictable. You know it's coming in. And with a day job, they can just keep throwing that on you. And that's the golden handcuffs. It's actually, to me, a little more dangerous. You see the layoffs happening right now, which means you have a single source of income, which means if you get laid off, that income source is gone. Whereas a freelancer, we have multiple sources of income because every single client is one small source of income, meaning if one client fires us or we lose one client, that's just one portion of our income. That's not the topic of today's episode. But still, the roller coaster of the freelance life is the thing that holds so many people back from diving in. And these three things are likely what is keeping many of you 
in that cycle. So the first thing, and this is where my tough love comes out, keeping you in feast or famine mode is a lack of extreme ownership. This comes from the book, Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink. It is a worthwhile read. It's very much like a, a masculine approach to business, almost toxic masculinity, but not quite that far. But there's just certain things that I do take away from that book that I think everyone should apply to your business. I don't think everything from that book makes sense. But the one concept that is basically preaching throughout that book is you take extreme ownership as the leader. I think he was in the Marines and as the leader of his squad, he had to take extreme ownership of everything that went wrong in that squad. But it's the same in our business. When we start a business, we now have to take extreme ownership, meaning we have to take responsibility for any problems that we have. And so the way I see this happening in your business, perhaps, is you look to external sources to blame your problems on. And I see this time and time again, especially right now, where there's economic uncertainty. People are being laid off on their jobs. The economy is not looking too great right now. Inflation is out of hand. And so I've seen more than one person recently blame the economy on their business's lack of success, on their current famine cycle right now. Listen, if you continue to allow external circumstances to dictate your current daily actions, the things you do every single day in your business, if you allow those external sources that you have absolutely no control over, if you continue to allow those to affect your daily actions, you don't have what it takes. I'm sorry, this is tough love. You don't have what it takes to be an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur looks at those things and takes those into account when they need to make a change in their business. But what they don't do, successful entrepreneurs, they don't look to those external things as a source of blame. We are all in an even playing field right now. We are all experiencing the exact same struggles because of the economy right now, if those exist, by the way, because I, I want to talk about that in a second, but we are all on a level playing field. So why is it that some freelancers are still successful, still raking it in right now, and you're not? It's not the economy. In most cases, it's not the economy. And I'll tell you why. This is the exercise I talk through most people when they come to me with, with the economy as the blame. I ask them this, what is your client's source of funding for the projects that you do for them? And I'll give you an example. Like in my world, I'm from the, the music production background. So I know a lot of and work with a lot of, and we have a lot of listeners in the recording studio space. That's the freelance niche that I started out in. So when I ask a recording studio owner this or a music producer this, they will say this comes from their day job. Like most people, at least that I, that I work with and talk to, they're not working with major labels. They're working with independent bands, independent artists who are self-funding the album. And so when that's the case, most of those artists are funding the record with their day job income. They're not funding it from the band, from their careers, because their careers are like amateur or semi-pro. They're funding everything for the project from their day job income. And then I ask them, do they still have their day job? Because yeah, you're seeing layoffs right now, but it's not a lot. Like unemployment is still really low. It is way below it ever was during the last recession. Just look at some charts if you need to understand this. So if your clients still have their source of income that is funding the projects they hire you for, then you have no excuse with the economy. Until your clients lose that source of income, you don't have that as an excuse as to why you can't get the clients, why they can't come to you, why they can't pay you for the projects. Now, there are some industries that are hit hard right now. That's fine. If that's the case, we still have to take extreme ownership. We still have to look at the, the playing field that we're in and make a pivot, make a change based on what we know or what we think is the best move for us. Imperfect action is always better than blaming someone else or blaming some external circumstance for our lack of success. Again, if you allow those external circumstances to excuse your lack of success or be the excuse of your lack of success, then you likely don't have what it takes, at least not yet. Maybe this episode is the kick in the pants you need. So we're talking about extreme ownership. We're talking about 
taking full responsibility, full blame for any problems that we have in our businesses. We talked about blaming the economy, how that doesn't work. That doesn't help you in any way, shape or form. We need to let the economy maybe guide us, maybe help us understand where we might need to make adjustments or changes. Maybe guide us on whether or not the strategy we're, we're trying to use is viable in the economy that we have right now. That's perfectly fine. But to allow that to excuse our lack of clients, be the excuse of why we're struggling, why we're failing right now, that's not okay. But also in the, in the vein of extreme ownership, there's another insidious thing that I see happening in the freelance community, especially as creatives. We don't own what we need to do to succeed. And let me try to break that down because that's, that's kind of vague. Creatives have this really bad habit of learning a skill, a creative skill, loving that skill, loving that thing that they do, video, photo, music production, graphic design, creating these things. They have passion around these things. And so they invest all their time and their energy, their money into mastering that craft. And then they completely ignore and neglect the other skills that are required to become a successful business owner or freelancer. I'm going to say business owner because really when the day you become a freelancer is the day you become a business owner. So the trap you fall into is you only want to do the things that you love. I love photography. I love looking up lenses. I love finding how to alter, edit these photos or get the lighting right. I love these things. And so I spend all my time, effort, energy in this area. And I spend no time learning the skill of copywriting, the skill of marketing, the skills around efficiency, productivity, the skills around people skills, learning how maybe ads work, how to create a lead magnet, how to build a mailing list. These things that we talk about on the podcast all the time, these things don't appeal to you. And I completely understand. Like those things are not, for most people, unless you're weird like me, those things are not fun. You're not passionate about those things. You might get build a passion about those things. You might could learn that you actually love those things, but you won't give them a chance because you're not passionate about it right now. It's not fun to you. This is another tough love moment. If you only want to do what you love, keep it as a hobby. And that's completely okay. There is no problem keeping something as a hobby. But if you are listening to the show, you likely are trying to turn this into a business. And if you're trying to turn this into a business, you have to take extreme ownership over the fact that as a business owner, there are things in that business that you will always have to do that you don't want to do, that you don't like to do. And the more that you neglect those things, the more that you're going to have problems and issues in your business. And so, yes, you love these things, but at a certain point, these skills, the gear, all the things in the creative world, that is not your bottleneck. At a certain point, now these skills over here on the other side, these business skills, these marketing skills, these sales skills, these people skills, these are the things that are actually holding you back from being a successful business owner. As soon as you make that switch and take ownership over the fact that I'm no longer just a hobbyist. I am now a business owner and a business owner has to put on their big boy underwear <laughs> and take extreme ownership over the fact that they, they've got to do these things that they don't love. It's okay. Like I am not here to pretend that I don't do stuff in my business that I don't like doing. I try to minimize that. I try to outsource those things as much as I can, but to even do those things, you have to have put in the work to get to the income level where you can afford to outsource those things. So I did a lot of work that I did not want to do to get to the point that I'm at today. But I'll tell you this. It is way more fulfilling, it is way easier, and it is way more gratifying to do those things in my business than it is to do those things for someone else's business. Because in a day job, you were literally hired to do something that the CEO of that company does not want to do. They are hiring you to take over something that is a core function of their business that is probably extremely valuable to their business. Whatever salary or payment they're paying you, they are earning many multiples of that back as profit in the company. So why would I want to spend my creative skills that I've honed and developed and spent tons of time, effort, energy, money developing 
the gear I've purchased maybe to execute on the skills? Why would I want to spend that, those resources on someone else's company? It makes no sense to me. So I would rather do all those things that I don't want to do in my own company, building my own equity and my own income streams than to allow those to someone else, than to squander those resources on someone else's business, someone else's company, so they can profit off of me. So that's point number one. That's thing number one, keeping you in the feast or famine roller coaster. It's a lack of extreme ownership as a business owner, not taking full responsibility for those things you need to do in your business. Now we're on to point number two, this keeping you in the feast or famine roller coaster, and that is a lack of consistency. <laughs> Think about this. If your income is not consistent, if your client flow, if your lead flow is not consistent, if it varies from month to month to month, I could ask you this question, and you're, I know they already know the answer to it. Are you consistent? Are you consistently doing client acquisition activities? Are you consistently doing the things you need to do to make sure your income is stable? Likely it's not. Likely what happens is this. You get some clients, you fulfill the work, you realize that your counter's getting thin, you do some sort of client acquisition activities. They're likely just whatever you happen to think you should be doing no rhyme or reason or plan. It's just a reaction. And then you get clients from that and you fulfill those clients. The cycle continues. That's really the feast or famine roller coaster. So if you have inconsistency in your business, the culprit is likely you. This is the tough love moment. Again, I got a lot of these in this episode. The issue is you. You are the lack of consistency in your business because there's very little separation as a freelancer, especially as a single person company. There's a very little separation from you as an individual and you as your business. So if your business is inconsistent, if your income is inconsistent, it's likely because you are inconsistent. And that's why I've said on the show many times in the past, it's been a while since I've said this, and this is where the bleeps come in, fuck motivation, fuck motivation. I'll say this, heck motivation. <laughs> motivation is, I'll say poison. Motivation is poison to a business owner. When we're motivated to do something, that's where the fits and spurts happen. That's where we become an inconsistent business owner. We have this big burst of motivation to do something, and that's where we start to go do this big task we know we should be doing, and then when we lose motivation, we stop. And so we have these half-built bridges all around our businesses. None of them are actually leading to anywhere. So instead of motivation, what do we rely on? It's the same thing I've mentioned on many episodes in the past. Habit and routine will always beat motivation. Habit and routine is the triumph for any freelancer, any business owner, because habit and routine is how we become consistent human beings. And that's how we have consistent businesses. If you want a consistent business, you need to become a consistent human. The way to become a consistent human is not to rely on motivation. It's not to wait for those bursts of motivation that you get from this episode, maybe. It's to become a person who has built their life around habit and routine. Yes, it might feel boring from time to time, but I would rather have boring consistency and then get to do what I love for a living for the rest of my life than to have wild peaks and valleys in my business. But at least it's interesting. At least it's new. There's certain people that thrive on chaos. I'm not one of them, but certain people thrive on chaos. So as soon as they start to have some success, they throw a wrench in the machine. They self-sabotage. So if that's you, I don't know how to help that. I don't know how to change that type of behavior. But for many of you, you just don't have any sort of habit or routine around your life. There's a book I recommend everyone read. It's called Atomic Habits. That should be a yearly read for people because to become a routine-oriented, habit-filled person, it's not just a one-and-done thing. It takes continuous reminders it takes repetition to build habits. And that book is probably something you should read every single year. So outside of habit, outside of routine, outside of the book, Atomic Habits, there's still more you, you should and can do to become a more consistent person. Part of it is getting off of your shoulders. I am not the most dependable person. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. You can ask my assistant. There's certain things that I procrastinate on professionally all the time. There's certain things that I might miss. But the best thing I can do to combat that is to put systems, 
processes and automations into place instead of self-reliance, relying on myself to get those things done. So for you, if you don't have a team or you know there's certain things that you don't like to do or that you struggle with, consider putting into place things like systems and processes, like here's the step-by-step thing that I do, maybe tools that can help with that or automations so that you don't have to do those things anymore to where they're automatically done. Find ways to get it off of your shoulders onto some external machine or external brain, maybe a project management system. Any of these things can help significantly when it comes to becoming more consistent as a human being. Because again, we're all built differently. Some of us gravitate more towards habit and routine, and some of us gravitate more naturally towards the chaos and fun factor. So depending on where you are, you might have to rely more heavily on systems, on processes, on external tools, on automations to make this work. But there's always a way. Again, this goes back to point number one, extreme ownership. If you take extreme ownership over all your shortcomings as a human being, all the things that you struggle with that you're not a natural for, if you take extreme ownership and instead of saying, I can't, instead of saying that, saying, how can I? You'll have a much easier time building consistency in your business by putting other things into place that can help fill your weaknesses as a human being. Because again, I have weaknesses. You have weaknesses. Every single one of us has weaknesses. We also have strengths. So play into your strengths and find ways to mitigate those weaknesses. And that is the key to becoming more consistent. So now we're on to point number three, the third thing that is keeping you in this feast or famine roller coaster as a freelancer, where your income is up one month, down one month, up three months, down three months, unpredictable, thus stressful. The third thing is a lack of planning. This isn't just about me getting you to go out there and hustle and put more work in, put more hours in, grind, work nonstop. That's not what the show's about. That's not what I'm about. I don't consider myself a hard worker. For me, I actually looked at my Rescue Time account, which is an app I recommend everyone download and install on every one of their devices. On average, over the last like six months, a 30-hour work week is a big week for me. That's a long week for me. Many of them, 20 hours or under. So I'm not a, a hard worker. Honestly, I'm not. I am a smart worker. <laughs> I identify bottlenecks in my business. What are the things that are holding me back from growth? What is the thing that is broken in my business right now? That's the stuff that I focus on. And that takes planning. It takes stepping back and looking at the 30,000 foot view of your business as a whole and understanding what are all the pieces that are here and what's either missing or broken or damaged or inefficient. And then taking that data, that thing that I'm looking at, making a plan to fix it and then executing on that plan. This is intentional. This is not reactive. Many people, they just react to everything that's coming into them. They react to the economy. (laughs) Oh, the economy is bad. I guess I got to pull out all my stocks and sell everything. They react to their famine months. Everything's drying up. I guess I'll go launch a bunch of half-assed Facebook ads or go network again finally or go reach out to my past clients finally after six months of not talking to them. That's the reactive mode. That's not how I'm talking about here. I'm, I'm saying, look at what is not working in your business, formulate a meticulous plan, something that will actually solve the problem and then execute on that plan. That is working smart, not hard. And so if you're like most people that listen to the show, you have a lot of irons in the fire. You have a lot of things going on. I do too. I manage three different businesses right now, soon to be four, with 30 hours or less per week of work, really about 20 hours a week, because I work smart, not hard. In fact, I would have considered myself all through my teens, for sure, into my 20s, a pretty lazy person. But lazy people have a strength, and that is, I want to find the easiest way possible to get something done. When lazy people build businesses, they tend to actually be much more efficient than someone who can just grind it out, just hustle it out. Those people end up taking on more than they should ever take on. They're the ones doing all the work, refusing to take anything off their plate and hand it off to someone else because that person just can't do it as good as I can. That's the blue collar mindset speaking. And so they just continue to take on more and more and more and more and more. A quarter million a year, great. 
but you're watching your kids grow up through photos and videos instead of actually being a part of their lives. Is that the life that you want? I don't want a life like that. I want the life that I have right now. We don't have kids. So we're traveling the world right now because we don't have anything tying us down back home. I don't have to work 60 to 80 to 120 hour work weeks. I've done those in the past. I don't have to do them anymore because I've learned what works. What are the tiny hinges that swing the big doors? What are those points of leverage that I can put into place to help my businesses in a way that I'm not constantly working in the business all the time? I actually spend more time working on my business than I do working in my business. And that's because I've changed business models slightly. As a freelancer, you're going to always be working more in your business than you will be on your business. And that's okay. That means that you have even less time to work inefficiently, to be in reactive mode. So we have to be more meticulous, more calculated, more intentional, and less reactive in what we do. And that takes a plan. Now, there's a book I'm going to half recommend here. It is called The Vision Driven Leader. It's something that I went through at the end of 2021. And then I went on a end of year retreat and I came up with my full annual plan. It's actually a five-year plan that I built for Six Figure Creative specifically. And then I broke it down into my annual uh, objectives and then into quarterly steps. And the reason I'm half recommending that book is because really most of that book is fluff. There's like one point in the book that I actually took. And really he has a lead magnet. I think it gives away somewhere in the book that you can probably find on the internet. It'll be in our show notes. So just go to sixfigurecreative.com slash 227 and see if that links there for Vision Driven Leaders Workbook. All the questions you need to ask yourself in order to come up with a five-year vision and or plan. And then from that, you can build out your next year. What are the things that you're going to accomplish? And I'll tell you this, don't expect to just create this one time and it be done. I created it and I've made micro adjustments along the way. Every quarter I revisit it. What did I get done? I can tell you right now, I did not get all the stuff done that I wanted to get done. At this point, at the end of the year, I am on still on Q3's tasks and objectives. So I'm not executing as fast as I wanted to, but it's still, I'm way ahead of where I would have been at the beginning of the year without a plan. Now, for those of you who don't want anything to do with building a five-year vision and a one-year plan with quarterly objectives and goals and whatever, like that's completely okay too. Not everyone works that way. This is my first year ever doing that. So don't think that you can't reach six figures or multiple six figures without something like that. But I will say this, there was likely a bottleneck in your business right now, a single point of failure that is keeping you in the feast or famine roller coaster. So I would really highly encourage you, if you haven't already, go back to listen to episode 225, where I broke down how to build your client acquisition machine and make 2023 your best year ever. From bottom up, here's the plan for building a client acquisition machine. And before you even listen to that episode, I encourage you, go get that toolkit I mentioned at the beginning of this episode over at sixfigurecreative.com slash toolkit. That's my client acquisition toolkit. It is all the different elements into one nice and neat toolkit that you can utilize to start building your client acquisition machine. Get out of the feast or famine lifestyle take extreme ownership of all the things you know you need to do in order to get out of this cycle and start getting consistency. So again, get that guide over at sixfigurecreative.com slash toolkit. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Next week's show will probably just be a replay. I don't know, actually. I'll, we'll see how that goes, but I'm just looking at my schedule. My birthday is in a few days and I'm going to take some time off and then we fly back on Thanksgiving day. I just don't know if I have it in me to get another episode done before we leave. And I know I'm going to be too jet lagged to get anything done when I get home. So might have a little filler episode next week, but I'll be back at it. I'll be back with my substitute co-host, Mark Eckert. I will be back with guests on the show, back to our normal kind of vibe and feel back in my studio back home. So I can't wait for that. But anyways, thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for anyone new that made it to this point. Again, the fact that you gave the show a chance and you made it all the way to the end, it means a ton to me, especially those of you who maybe found me through a paid ad. I started up my paid ad campaigns again recently and uh, have been building mailing lists back up again through paid acquisition. So that's a fun thing that I'll probably be talking about more on this podcast in the future. So if you found me on an ad and you're listening and you got to this point in the show, 
hit me up on Instagram. The link will be in the show notes over at sixfigurecreative.com slash 227. See you next week or the week after. Until next time, remember it takes more than passion to become a six-figure creative. Creative.